0: If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, we'll be taking our text from this morning. Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 40, Lord willing, today on this message that I've titled, And He Arose and Went. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Here the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azatos, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, we need your help today to be able to preach on this message. As you know what's on our heart, God, that you've put there. And Lord, we're just praying that you be seen and revealed. In Jesus' name we pray amen. Well, this uh, passage of scripture, a uh, very important passage here. It, it gives us a command that God gives to every Christian, uh, and we'll be talking about that more as we go, but and he arose and went. I titled the message that because it's here from our text, because that is what Philip did. Uh, the events that in this text that just occurred shortly uh, after that great meeting on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached and all those thousand were saved. The church began and began multiplying, and they sent men out. Uh, if you remember, they had to call some people to help, and we call that the first example of deacons. But one of those was this Philip, Philip the Evangelist. This is not Philip the, the uh, disciple of Jesus. This is Philip the Evangelist. And uh, it said in the very first chapter of the book of Acts, uh, Jesus was giving a great commission. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he tells his disciples, he says, but ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so all of this happens all together as we see the church being empowered, uh, Christians getting their commandment. And some people say, now, Brother Byron, he's talking to disciples there. It doesn't apply to me. If you're a Christian, it applies to you. Uh, Don't try to pick and choose things out of the Bible that does not apply to you. That just grabs me right there because there are certain things there. He only said the disciples that we very well better take heed to because if we don't, then we've missed out. And we'll talk about that uh, some more as well as we go through here. But there in our opening text, we see the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord speaking to someone, that's God speaking through them. An angel is simply a messenger one who delivers a message, and that message is from the Lord. And so the Lord has told this angel to go down and speak to Philip. I've chosen him to be a heralder of the gospel. That's what a preacher is. And uh, and so the angel tells him, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, as I said, this is Philip the evangelist. Uh, he's one of those first chosen deacons, if you will, there in Acts chapter 5, that's been appointed to assist the apostles in the ministry but he was a preaching deacon and uh, another one of those was Stephen you remember that he was one of uh, the others that was chosen of course he got martyred Uh, but Philip had been preaching in Samaria just prior to this and brought many people to Christ if you look back up in the beginning of this chapter you'll see what he was doing look at Acts chapter 8 verses 5 through 8 it says then Philip went down into the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with uh, palsies that were lame and were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now, at this time, the gospel message is to go across all the world, not just there in Jerusalem where it began. Of course, it started there, not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile alike. As we see, the Gentiles are grafted into God's plan. And we see that uh, when uh, Cornelius comes and and Peter preaches the gospel to him and his household and they all get saved, those were Romans. And so we see this gospel message now going to the place that was hated by the Jews, Samaria. And that's where philip has been preaching at. And this whole city is in great joy because of this gospel message that he's brought there. And that's what he's preaching, by the way, the gospel message. The New Testament wasn't written at that time. How's he preaching the gospel message? The Bible said he was preacher of Isaiah and preached Jesus unto, into the Ethiopian eunuch. So he's preaching the gospel in the Old Testament. And uh, that's very important that you understand that. But the directive from this angel of the Lord says, Arise and go. You might want to underline those words, Arise and go. That's very important there because this is a commandment straight from God. And he tells him where to go. He's going south. Uh, this is away from where he's been up there in Samaria. And this is going toward Egypt. This is a main route, a main road that's going travelers from Jerusalem to Egypt. That's the route they would take. No doubt at this time in that day, there were many people traveling that road. And, of course, this Ethiopian eunuch being one of those. Now, uh, notice that the Lord spoke to Philip and just gave him a command to arise and go. He didn't tell him where to go. He didn't tell him how to prepare. didn't tell him what he needed to do in advance. Didn't tell him go pick up this and pick up that and then go on your way. No, he says arise and go. That's that's it simply. Uh, and may I say to you this morning that that's how God often works. He just gives out the command go, and that's a lot of times that's all you get. And so then that's where you have to step out in faith on in obedience, is because that is the number one thing God expects from His people is their obedience. Far above your happiness, far above your comfort, far above anything else, God expects your obedience. Uh, you may remember a few years ago, this was, this video was going around everywhere, and Victoria Osteen, the, the, the wife of Joel Osteen, who also calls herself the co-pastor there at Lakewood Church, uh, she's standing in front of 30,000 people listening to her so-called preach. And this is what Victoria Osteen said. She said, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we are happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy, really. God's greatest joy is to see that you're happy. Where's that at? Where'd you find that in the scripture? It's nowhere in there. No, God's greatest joy for you is to be obedient to do the things pleasing unto him. What he says do, he expects for you to go and do. And so, uh, listen, Victoria Osteen's a heretic. First of all, there's no women pastors. That's that's not even biblical. She's a heretic, and they're both lunatics. So don't listen to them. Uh, so the next part of our verse there, back in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, Unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Well, uh, whether Philip was still in Samaria when God called him or whether he was already on his way out of there and going back to Jerusalem or whatever, we don't know. It doesn't say, but uh, the angel or the Lord, it's the Lord's angel here. What did it say? The angel of the Lord. So this is a a messenger direct from the Lord, Jesus, that's, that's guiding Philip on what he's to do. Now, as an evangelist, that's what evangelists do. They're to be led by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. The Lord directs them. Evangelists don't get up and say, hmm, you know what? I think it'd be a good idea for me to just go down here because that'd be convenient for me. And, you know, it's on my way to this and that. So I'll just do it. No, you're to be led by the Holy Spirit, by God, to direct the evangelists. Now, we see that he's directing to go south to Gaza, which is desert. Gaza was a Philistine city. It was about 50 miles south there of Jerusalem. And this, like I said, was the route that most people would take from Egypt into Jerusalem and back and forth. Now, look at verse 27. This is the key. Underline these first few words of this verse. And he arose and went. The most important thing in all this text, he arose and went. This is Philip's obedience kicking in. He didn't make up an excuse. He didn't say, Well, hang on now. Wait a minute, angel of the Lord. You know, I've been in Samaria, and by the way, the whole city was given over into joy. You know, there's many people that were saved because I went and preached the gospel. And, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'd like to go kick back for a little while. I'd like to go over to the, you know, the Fairfield and just sit back and relax and, and, you know, get comfortable. He didn't say any of that. He didn't cry about how unfair it was. Why don't you go ask one of those other deacons it was called? Why you got to ask me all the time? It wasn't any of that. The Bible says that he arose and went, did not question why, where, when, or nothing. It just says he arose and went. He arose and went. <laughs> listen, there is a cost for following Jesus. A lot of people say, just trust Jesus and all your cares are over with. Oh, no, they've only began. Now, listen, your your cares about going to heaven are, are over with. You don't have to worry about that when you get saved. You don't have to worry about going to hell once you get saved. Those cares and worries are over with. But you're going. I guarantee you, if you're being obedient to the Lord, it's not going to be an easy road. And so Philip's not going to have an easy road. And Philip was not like that scribe. You remember the scribe that that came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. What Jesus is telling him over in Matthew eight nineteen through 22? It says, And a certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will follow thee whatsoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. You see, these men, they claim they want to follow the Lord Jesus. And once he says, well, come on, follow me. They say, well, hang on. We're not quite ready yet. You know, no, I first want to bury my father. Then people say, well, that was so cruel of Jesus telling me he shouldn't go and bury his father. His father's dead. No, he's not. His father is not dead when he says this. What he wants to do is go back home and wait until his father dies. That was a common way of saying, I'm going to wait until my father dies and I gain my inheritance. Then I'll come and follow you. That's what he's implying here. Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. I said, come, go, now, follow me now. And the guy says, no, hold on. I'm not quite, I'm not quite ready. And Jesus says, well, don't even worry about it. Let the dead bury the dead. You know, if, you, if you're going to come, come on and he also says in one part of the scripture you know if you uh, the plowman looking back uh, from the plow is not worthy and so listen people say a lot of things when it comes to following Jesus and obedience you know well you know I don't think I was called to do this or called to do that or called to do that you know whatever listen if you're a Christian you've been called to share the gospel in some way some fashion some form and the command is always to get up and go it's never to sit down and stop is to get up and go. And so if you're waiting around until it's convenient for you to serve the Lord, when you've got plenty of money, plenty of time, don't have to worry about nothing, you know, I'm footloose and fancy free, I'll follow the Lord now and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. No, it doesn't work that way. The Lord doesn't want want to use you in that fashion when it's convenient for you. When it's convenient for him is when he wants you to go. And so, listen, listen. If you're going to serve God, you need to do it now because it will never be convenient. All right. The next part of verse 27 says, and behold, a man of the Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. So this eunuch of Ethiopia, he is the intended object of the Lord for Philip to go to evangelize with to share the gospel with Philip in essence is a type of missionary. He's going to other lands to share the gospel with those that's not heard it. And that's what he's doing with this Ethiopian unit. This man is a high ranking official in the, the court of the queen of Ethiopia, Candace. Uh, he was obviously one that worshiped God as well. He'd been to the Holy city in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. That's the purpose of him being there. He's on his way back home. And he's got a lot of questions, obviously, about the scripture. He's reading in the Old Testament because that's all they had. And he's reading in Isaiah. And it's a little confusing to him. He wasn't raised up uh, there in Jerusalem and and hearing the word of God and everything like that. He's having to learn these things. And so uh, look at verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near. There again is another command. Go, go near. Don't hold back and linger back and wait for it's convenient. Wait till he stops off for gas or whatever it is. No, I want you to go exactly right now, near, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Look what happened. Verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So we find Philip again being obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit when he tells him to go and join himself. Obviously, the chariot the the Ethiopian eunuch is in is still moving. It's not in a hurry. He's not in a Western wagon train trying to escape from the bandits. No, he's he's just traveling slowly, reading from the Word of God in his chariot. There's no doubt someone driving it for him. He's not driving. He's reading, <laughs> and so it's just puttering along down the road there toward uh, Egypt. And so Philip gets out, out of his chariot, and there's. Obviously, someone driving is. He's not just going to jump up and let it take off by himself. Uh, so he takes off running. It says he ran. He ran thither to him and heard him reading of the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip never hesitated when the spirit told him to go. How many times has God asked you or bid you or commanded you or prompted you or laid it on your heart? We love to say. And you need to be careful of that phrase. You know, a lot of things that people claim God laid on their heart, no, that He didn't. Uh, if it's from the Bible, if it's from God's Word, if it's something to glorify God, yes, He laid it on your heart. But if it's something to glorify yourself, something that you think uh, uh, you'd get a lot of attention for, no, God didn't lay it on your heart. A lot of preachers preach a lot of messages that God laid on my heart, really. Uh, well, we'll just see about that. But listen, Philip didn't hesitate, the Spirit said to go. But a lot of people, when the Spirit says go, says no. Or hold on. Or in a minute. Or later. Or they sit back and they, they want to think about it and and think about what might be the best way to do it. I had somebody not long ago tell me that God had laid it in their heart to help a certain person that was in need. And they had the, the means and the ability to do this, but they were they were they didn't know what the person would think. They didn't want to embarrass the person. They didn't want to be made to look stupid. And so they waited. They kept waiting and waiting. And finally, the opportunity left. And they were kind of upset. They were telling me about this. They said, I didn't want to look stupid in front of this person, you know, by coming and offering this assistance. Uh, And I said, listen, if the Lord is in it, you are not going to look stupid. He's prompted you to do this for a reason. If you're not going to do it, you'll get somebody else to do it. And you're going to miss out on what God has intended for you to be blessed with. And so listen, uh, the best way to avoid things like that is when God lays something on your heart, step out in faith, in obedience immediately and do it. Don't sit back and ponder and put it off and wonder and worry and, and make all these excuses because every time you do that, that opportunity is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And so don't question whether or not the person on the other end is going to be responded to you or, or, you know, they're going to understand what you're doing or to think that you're, you know, off your rocker. Don't worry about that. If, if it's in God, it's not going to happen that way. If, if it's God prompting you, if it's God calling you and, and telling you to go, you're not going to look stupid. He's going to take care of that. Just do it. You can only imagine what Philip must have felt like going up to this very important man who we don't know, he might have had guards around him. Uh, very important man. Held the treasure of this, this queen there, uh, of Candace. The treasury. And so, you know, what if they look back and say, what's this guy running at us for? You know, off with his head. He's trying to, to rob us. So we don't know what Philip must have been thinking. He didn't worry about it. Philip just went up and ran and went to him. And so, uh, uh, you know, most of us would say things, well, you know, he probably doesn't want to be disturbed. Well, he's a very important man. You know, I don't feel worthy to go up there and speak to such a man like this. You know, what will they say? They don't want to hear what I have to say. And that's what a lot of people think. Well, you know, they don't really want to hear what I have to say. Maybe if it was this guy saying it or, or my pastor saying it or, or, you know, so-and-so saying it, then maybe it'd be all right, but not for me. I mean, I don't have much sense. I don't know what to say, you know, and all this Lord, come on. And look, it must not have been an easy thing for Philip to go up to this this man, you know. Uh, but God never said the way was going to be easy. He never says that. It's not marshmallows and puffy clouds that we're walking around on, you know. What's the old song back in the 70s? You know, uh, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Oh, Lynn Anderson used to sing that. God never promised us a rose garden. But he did promise he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And so we just need to be obedient. And if you're being obedient to God, I can guarantee you it may not be an easy road, but God, if God is in it, God's going to help you through it. Over in uh, Acts 9, the Lord says this about the Apostle Paul. He's talking to Ananias there. And he says in Acts 9 and 15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is a man that God's going to use mildly. A man that God's going to I mean, the man is 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 going to go on to write what fourteen books of the New Testament if you if you think he wrote Hebrews. And over half the New Testament, Paul's going to write, but God says, Listen, I'm going to make it hard on him. His way's going to be rough and tough. You know, I'm going to let him know he's going to suffer for my name's sake. You know, he didn't say, You go tell this Saul of Tarsus when he shows up, Ananias. I'm going to make it so good for him. I'm going to have him a Cadillac of a chariot set up. I'm going to have him personal drivers. I'm going to have this and that. You know, he's going to live up in a lap of luxury. He can write bestseller books, you know, with Osteen and and sell them, you know, everywhere he goes. No, he he didn't say any of that. He says he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Peter. If anybody knew about suffering, Peter did. First Peter 4 and 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so don't ever think that just because God's called you, that it's going to be an easy path to follow. God's not going to give you a road map with directions. You're not going to have a GPS to follow around, you know, and, and make sure that you don't do anything wrong. No, God just says to go. He expects you to go, and he will guide you as you go. Well, that's the next part of verse 30. Back in Acts chapter, uh, where are we at? Acts chapter 8, 9, 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And so Philip asked him, do you understand what it is you're reading there out of the book of Isaiah? Apparently the guy was reading out loud uh, because Philip understood that he was reading from Isaiah. And so, you know, it seems kind of odd asking somebody, you know, something like that, isn't it? Would you come up to somebody that's reading out of the book and say, hey, you do you understand what you're reading? Hey, do you, you got any idea what that is you're reading out there? Yeah. You may say that somebody might be holding. I've got a book in here my son left, C++ Programming. Now, I don't know much about that. Uh, I know a lot of things about electronics and a lot of stuff like that, but I don't know much about programming C++. He came over the other day and said, Dad, what are you doing with this book in your bookshelf, the C++ Programming? I said, well, you left that there, and I I took it. I thought I'd read through it. (laughs) And uh, that is one case somebody comes and says, you know what in the world you're even reading there? I'd say, well, not really, but uh, I'm, I'm just struggling through it. Somebody needs to tell me. Well, that's what's going on here. This Ethiopian eunuch, he, he doesn't understand who it is the prophet's speaking about. And so he's he's going to ask here about it. And so uh, this is the opportunity that Philip's going to take to be able to share the gospel through God's word. And that's important also to remember that. All right, verse 31. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. (laughs) So we see the gospel door opening here. If Philip had not arose and went, if he had not got up and gone, if he hadn't been obedient and stepped out and ran and caught up with this guy, this would never have happened. But because he was obedient to the, the Holy Spirit, prompting him to go, this is the opening for the sharing of the gospel with this lost man. And so here he is. He says, he says, come up here and sit with me and, and, and tell me all about it. Verse 32. The place of the scripture which he read was this. And he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb for a shear. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. Okay, so the the eunuch is reading from Isaiah chapter fifty-three, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, which is a picture of the Messiah that's coming, a Messiah that will be crucified. And that whole chapter describes awful suffering that he must do in order to save the world from sin. And so this eunuch is reading this, and he doesn't know who the man is that they're they're talking about. He says, now, is it Isaiah? Is he talking about himself that this is going to happen to? Or or did it happen to him? Or is he talking about somebody else that this is going to all happen to? I I just don't know. And so this is when Philip, in the Bible says, opened his mouth. He didn't sit back and say, hmm. Well, you know, uh, I think. No, it says he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 53, and he says, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. This is talking about him. This is talking about Jesus. And so this is one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. And it occurred 700 years before Christ. And so I love how the Lord continues working in all missionary endeavors. He can use any part of his word To share the gospel because Christ is through the entire Bible. He didn't just start there as a babe in Bethlehem. He's always been. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God the word was God. And all things were created by him and nothing was created without him. And so if Jesus has always been. And so you can preach Jesus out of every book in the Bible. And that's what's happening here. Of course, Philip is the perfect missionary to be able to explain such scripture to the eunuch. The Bible says he opened his mouth and began. That's the same scripture. Now, in this type of work, this evangelistic work or missionary work or sharing the gospel work, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's got many names, but it all boils down to you're sharing the gospel. That's what this is. Now, there's three ingredients that are necessary in sharing the gospel with anybody. And I'm going to give you those three ingredients. First of all, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the Holy Spirit leads you to share the gospel with someone, you know, a lot of times we meet strangers, we, you know, we, and if you're like me, I'm a real shy person. I don't like to talk to people. That's the way I am. And, uh, but we'll meet people and God will give you an opening, a door, an opportunity to be able to say something to them, to share something with maybe something simple like, Hey, where do you go to church at? You know, something as simple as that to get the ball rolling. But the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us, uh, to, uh, to people. But for a person to be saved, the Holy Spirit must be the one that's prompting him to be saved. We're saved through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that leads someone to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates the scripture. And you know, uh, Philip can sit here and, and talk about the scripture all, all day long. But unless the Holy Spirit illuminates that for this eunuch, this eunuch's not going to get it. And so the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture so that it can be understood. And without the Holy Spirit, true conversion cannot happen. You, you'll not find one person in the Bible that was saved without the Holy Spirit being involved in it. second ingredient in, in leading someone to Christ is you they must be saved by the Word of God. You're not saved outside of the Word of God. Never, ever. There is no occasion that's ever happened on the face of this earth in the past, present, or future where someone can get saved outside of the word of God. It's not going to happen. And so uh, people don't get saved by music. Oh, I can't believe that. We had some of the best services ever when it was just music service and people come up and got saved. If they got saved by listening to music, it was because they were singing God's word And those words penetrated their heart. And the Holy Spirit convicted them that they were a sinner and they needed to be saved. That's the only way they were saved. They didn't get saved by listening to instrumentals. They didn't get saved by listening to bluegrass, which I love dearly. They didn't get saved by listening to country gospel or southern gospel or anything else that calls itself gospel. They didn't get saved by the music. They got saved by the word of God if they got saved now if they say well you know i heard this wonderful music and it just thrilled my soul and i thought why not go down and trust jesus as my savior because of that well then they didn't really trust jesus they trusted in the feeling that they had through the music that they heard and so the only way you can get saved is through the word of god music and singing is great it can stir the waters of your soul it can get you inspired to listen to the word of god but listen you're only saved by the word of God. Romans 10 and 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say by hearing of musical instruments. It didn't say by hearing of poems. It didn't say by hearing of uh, anything like that. It says by the word of God. The third ingredient in leading someone to Christ and sharing the gospel is there must be a proclaimer of the gospel. They, might, they have to hear it Somehow. Romans 10 and 14. How then shall they call on him him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, that word preacher, as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, means a heralder of the gospel, one who proclaims the gospel, a public crier of the gospel. And so in order for people to hear the gospel, there must be a heralder of the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a God-called preacher, you know, uh, behind a pulpit and stand and lead a church and pastor a church or be an evangelist or be a missionary. It doesn't mean that you have to be one of those titles. All it simply means to be a herald of the gospel means that you must present God's word in some way. It doesn't have to be standing on a street corner with a megaphone. You don't have to be downtown standing on a box with a megaphone, you know, shouting across Gay Street or or Market Square. That's, That's not necessary. It's great if you want to do it that way. You can proclaim the gospel through a Bible tract. By someone reading the word of God that's in a Bible tract, that's how you do it. If you're going around presenting people the gospel tract and they read the word of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates that scripture and convicts their heart, they can get saved that way. That is the same thing. That's how you're heralding the gospel. It could be teaching in a Sunday school class by getting up and instructing people. This is what God's word says right here. And God can save people through a Sunday school teacher, through a lesson. Many children have come to Christ through Sunday school. And so there's a lot of ways that you can herald the gospel, but it must be the word of God. The Holy Spirit must be involved and it, there has to be some form of people hearing the word of God. So a preacher of some type, whether it's a, a track hander, uh, a Sunday school teacher, a, a deacon, uh, whoever it is, someone that's saying this is what the word of God says. All right, now look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Listen, if you've got an NIV version of the Bible, verse 37 is not in your Bible. It never says anything about you must believe in the word of God to be saved. It just says, What well, prevents me from being saved? And it says nothing. Come on in, we'll baptize you. They leave out the most important part about believing in the word of God. A lot of Bibles are doing these new Bibles, these modern perversions are doing that. They're taking out the Word of God. Listen, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. There's no need to get baptized unless you've been saved. And baptism doesn't save you. You must believe in the gospel, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you get baptized just as an outward sign. Baptism doesn't save you. And so we see the results of Philip's obedience, his missionary endeavors. As the Bible said, he preached Jesus unto him. In other words, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, just like the Bible tells us, according to the scriptures. And so this is the way unto salvation. So we have all three of the ingredients involved in this conversion. We had the Holy Spirit prompting Philip to go the Holy Spirit leading him the Holy Spirit involved by illuminating the scripture as the Ethiopian eunuchs reading from Isaiah and and Philip presents the word of God which is the other ingredient and he is being the proclaimer the herald or the preacher here and so you got the preacher the word of God you've got the Holy Spirit and through all that the Ethiopian eunuch believes in the lord jesus do you see that jesus is not even the word the name jesus is not even in the old testament (laughs) and so the ethiopian eunuch says what he say in the text he says i believe that jesus christ is the son of god how did he believe that because philip explained it to him through the word of god and so here we are obviously the eunuch believed in jesus asked philip what's going to hinder me from being baptized philip said nothing it's simple. If you believe in the gospel, you believe the Lord Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins, you believe that with all your heart, then there's nothing preventing you from being saved, from being baptized. And notice he did use the title of Jesus Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah. And so he recognized Jesus for who he truly was. Wasn't just some man a good teacher. Wasn't just some, you know, rabbi. It wasn't just somebody that came along that a lot of people followed. No, it was the Christ. It's the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. And so this is true conversion. Uh, the Spirit led. The Word of God was read. And someone proclaimed the gospel. And it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, they had themselves then a good old-fashioned Baptist baptizing. How do you know it was a Baptist one? Because he went under the water. It says they both went down, both into the water and he baptized him. So they went down into the water. They didn't. He didn't say, come over here and lay down on the ground. I'm going to get something and sprinkle your head with it. He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, here's a cup of water Splash right in the face. No, he didn't do that. He said, look, get off that chariot. Let's go down here in this water hole, and we'll get down there in it, and we'll baptize you. So they had a Baptist baptism, just like the Lord ordains it. Verse 39 and 40 will be finished. It says, and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the lord called away philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing but philip was found in uh, azotus and passing through he preached in all cities till he came to caesarea and just like that philip is called away again the holy spirit by the way what did it say the spirit of the lord called away philip how'd that happen <laughs> you tell me i wasn't there spirit of the lord made it happen however it was the Ethiopian eunuch was so overjoyed, or whatever, that he didn't pay any attention, or the Holy Spirit just said, poof, "Poof, you're gone out of there," or he just got up out of the water, and said, "Now I want you to go over here," and Philip just took off. Or I don't know how it happened. Ask him when you get to heaven. But uh, he went away, and he was the, the eunuch didn't see him anymore. And so, what I want to ask you now is, what about us? Are we willing to arise and go when the Lord says, "Get up and go"? Uh, can't be said about us arise and go or we did arise and went uh you know how many of us are willing to take the commandment of christ seriously you know we read that great commission there in the last chapter of mark and when, or mark fifteen sixteen. it says you know go into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature how many of us take this serious how many of us uh say well you know that's what the bible's saying to me or how many are like a lot of people that say well you know he was speaking to his missionaries or his his apostles right there, his, his disciples. So he didn't mean us. He he, no, he was talking about them because then they're going to go over, you know, in the book of Acts, how they all in that upper room and all that. That's what he means. He's talking to the disciples, not us. Well, if you want to say that, what about this? Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Do you know he was speaking to the disciples then? So does that not apply to you either? Are you going to go through the Bible and find every instance where he's talking only to the disciples and say, well, that's for them, not for everybody else. If you do that, you've done talked your way out of salvation. You've done talked your way out of being saved, out out of going to heaven, because there is no getting around it. This this gospel this this word of god is for all you don't get to just say well not this and that no listen the commission the great commission was given to every christian not just the disciples not just them and so the command is to share the gospel to every creature and jesus says arise and go and may it be said that we arose and went Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for showing us how that we can proclaim the gospel, what it means, who it applies to Lord and how you work in it. God, I'm praying for those opportunities. Lord, we know if we ask for them you'll give them to us those opportunities to be able to share the gospel, however it may be. Lord, whether it's on social media or through a Bible tract or preaching or teaching, or simply speaking to someone, whatever it is, Lord, whatever means that you deem necessary, Lord, that we'll, we'll step out, we'll be obedient, we'll obey your will. And God, may we see the gospel increase. May we see souls saved. Lord, help us here at porch light to be better witnesses. Lord, may you receive any glory, God. Keep us in the shadows and let you be revealed for the glorious light that you have. Lord, may you shine that light through us. Help us, Father. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.